Nope. Nope. All right. Nope, we're nope, rolling. Nope. We just, I just asked Greg if you remember the gear that we used for like the first like five or seven shows. I had picked up a Radio Shack mixer, analog mixer off of eBay. And and we had we still have the microphones that we used at that point. I remember the compressor that we had. We got the Elisa's compressor. Yeah, and we used that until the Elisa's went bad, and then yeah. I sold it. Um, but now yeah. we have a compressor internalized in the, in the, the mixer, right? Yeah, the Behringer mixer we have now has uh, compressors mixed up. So when I yell, the red light lights up, and it doesn't get too loud. <laughs> Beautiful. It's louder, but it's, it's not louder, as loud but as it's it not, could be. Yes, that, that's the nice thing about uh, about technology. So when are we going to get our? What's the thing that that does the does the video switching? The TriCaster. Yeah, the TriCaster. <laughs> I've you know have you watched like any of the Twit like video? No, things? The, the only thing I've seen well, the way the TriCast the TriCaster show. It, I've seen like Joe Rogan show. I've seen like some okay. of those because it's the cuts because it's like voice activated. The cuts yeah. are late yeah. and it seems awkward. Yeah. Sure, you don't have someone directing the show. But the cuts are late, and it seems artificial. Well, because it is. Right, right. I mean, it's it's a reactionary system mm-hmm. as opposed to a proactive system that tries to predict what's going to happen. Right. So you need artificial intelligence to... To do it right. Right. Did you read that article by chance? That Which article? The big, long, two-part article on artificial intelligence that I suggested that you read. You haven't. I don't think I have. I'm, no, pretty, sure, I apologize. I'm pretty sure you haven't. No. No, I'm sorry. It, it's, uh, we talked about it before. We, we, talked about, we talked about my feelings on, on the artificial intelligence situation. So, was, was there a difference? In, tell me what the article says versus The article is so long. It, it's a great article. It was the one that um, John from the Beerists sent me okay. after our last post-show talk about AI. And it's a, I think it's a really good article. I would almost, I would like you to read it just kind of to get your take. I on want it. to read it now, no. but, but yeah, no, it'll take time. like yeah, it's a long article. It'll yeah. take over an hour for you to read. Oh, that's so. It's it's more of like a book than an article. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you can read it faster, but uh, it'll take about an hour okay. or more, I would say. Um, but it goes in with you know AI and. How we have AI today, but it's it's artificial like specific intelligence like Siri and Google Maps and stuff like that. And then they talk about what it's going to take to get to artificial general intelligence, you know, mm. which is kind of like human based intelligence where you can. And then, but then, like the biggest part of the article is the the um, exponential raise from. Artificial general intelligence to artificial super intelligence. And, yeah. And well, that's I mean, where... the, the interesting, I, I think the interesting component to the artificial intelligence idea is that if you have an artificial intelligence, if you can make something that is an artificial general intelligence, then you have something that is then copyable, right? It's then you can duplicate it. Whereas we do not have that ability with organic artificial intelligence to simply duplicate right. intelligence. So we have to we have to bring up our children all, you know, and and we have to deal with their various ways right. that they that they learn how to deal how to how to 
subscribe their, so, their basic pattern so, matching onto intelligence and then in the article, let them loose. One, one point that I have a disagreement with in the article, and and I w- you know this is one thing I'd love to get into a deep discussion with you after you've read the article. They are talking about super intelligence, artificial and super intelligence, and how you know that means a computer is hundreds of times smarter than a human type thing. Now, don't don't hook onto any specific I'm, I'm not words that I I'm use. Just, right? I'm just don't don't hook onto any words that I might use yeah. improperly. Okay. And they use this analogy of how, like, ants can't... Ants might be a bad example because of their... No, it, it's actually a good example. Ants can build great things, but they can't use that to... to but get, this... They can't, can't use their ability to... Let me just... Okay. So they can't... Ants, they can build... And, like, you know, you see, you see termites building these huge mm-hmm. columns in, in the desert, you know, in various areas. But they can't figure out that they could use their ability to build to say get to a food source mm-hmm. that's a that's a step beyond that's too abstract right. for them to figure right. out so they were talking about how you know ants to humans like ants no matter how smart ants are how much practice they put they can't comprehend you know the abstract thoughts that humans have right and they he used the same analogy of humans to artificial super intelligence the only argument I have with that is we sure we won't understand exactly what it, but we understand the concept of abstract thought so we can abstract the thought of something a thousand times smarter than us where an ant can't abstract the thought of something a thousand times smarter than them oh we don't know to be honest. maybe maybe but we can we can appreciate ants can't appreciate there's someone smarter than them we can appreciate that there's something a thousand times smarter than us so that's kind yeah, of well, you're right? Okay, so we we can we can't really. I'm, I'm coming back to for some reason. I'm coming back to uh, the book Sphere by Michael Crichton because there is a passage in there where it talk where, where it turns out he's talking to himself. He doesn't realize it at first, and he is. The, the the guy is is having a conversation with himself inside this alien thing, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But he is he has a, a conversation about how a bear is a very intelligent animal, right? A bear can do basic problem solving. A bear can you know figure out when you need to stand. Dude does a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yet a bear does not anywhere approach human society mm-hmm. and the kind of intelligence we have in human society. So you have intelligence, and intelligence is one thing, but the abstract problem-solving stuff that we have is just like it's a whole different level in terms of what we're able to do with our environment and what we're able to control. So the question is then, is there something else where there is their ability to control an environment on a whole entirely mm-hmm. different level? My guess is yes. Right, right. My point is we can appreciate that. We yeah. can appreciate with enough technology that right. a a being, right, a, an artificial the, being, yeah. can 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 basically artificial super intelligence plus nanotechnology can assemble whatever they want. You know, we can appreciate that. I've always wondered when we see dogs and cats look at cars and stuff. Do they recognize that these are machines built by us, or do they see them as other creatures? 
That's a, that's an interesting question. The uh, so I want kind of go back to my yeah. point. So I was in the shower today. I was listening to Science Friday, and they had to talk about super artificial intelligence. Are you listening to it in the shower? Yeah, I stick my my phone up on the top of the shower stall there, and oh. I can listen to Science Friday in the shower. Interesting. Um, so I was listening to it in the shower, and they were talking to some guys about artificial intelligence. It was not the guy that wrote this blog post, I'm pretty sure, or this book, as you would say. Uh, but it was a lot of similar things they were talking about. And the thought that came to me is, and this is a question for the experts, but does is there something that's, is there a difference between artificial general intelligence and consciousness? Yes. Right. Well, probably. Right. I mean, for me, it was. But like, I want to explore what that means. Right. So you have a computer that can think like a human. Or so I don't want to overload any terms here. Well, but is you know is when we talk about AGI, artificial yeah. general intelligence, we think human level intelligence. Right. You know. And but what does that mean for consciousness? And that that's kind of the question I have today. Okay. So the reason why I'm saying that yes is the answer, and I immediately said yes, is because I was considering okay, uh, artificial intelligence on some level is simply a gigantic database. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a wath of information. Consciousness is a process. It's a process that that our brains r- run. Now, it may be the case, and I don't know for sure, it may be the case that in order to have some way of comprehending and processing all this information, you need some process that turns into consciousness or, or something that we would consider equivalent to consciousness. Mm-hmm. That may be the case. I don't know. I think that, there, that consciousness is essentially a data retrieval mechanism, whereas intelligence is a data storage mechanism. So there's differences there. Really? Because intelligence... I think in, I think intelligence is about the um, the use of knowledge, right? It's not just the storage of knowledge. I, I see. I would disagree with that. I think intelligence is just if you if you really if you really magnify it. Then, I mean, a library is not intelligent. A library is extraordinarily intelligent. It just can't do anything with its intelligence. I see. I disagree with. I mean, okay. I define it differently, right. right? So you would. Do, so you would define. I, I would say a library. The ability to use the ability a, to use the knowledge. Yeah. Is intelligence. So you okay? So there's so, right, so you're defining knowledge separate from intelligence. All right. So we use intelligence as the ability to to comprehend, understand knowledge, and use that practically. Right. So it's closer to consciousness. That's closer to consciousness. But my question is: so if we have an AGI or an SI, super intelligent mm-hmm. uh, artificial being well the answer will is, it be conscious or or, well, the, the answer or, is or can it not be conscious is, the, is more of the because if it's conscious then it's going to be making its own decisions right and the question is is there a thing where it's like not conscious well the answer is we don't know i mean yeah. the, the the fact is that but that's why you asked the experts we have predict we have one example of a of a uh intelligence slash consciousness uh that is at our level one example mm-hmm. And that does require consciousness to work. Is that an absolute requirement? I yeah, I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, I don't think anybody really does. I suspect that if we continue to make computers think more and more like us, then we will make something that thinks and works mm-hmm. like I us. I mean, that's probably part of the yeah. process, right? The only way we know how to make 
something that is artificially intelligent is to mimic how we work. Right. What does that say, though? I mean, the universe is a grand experiment in some senses, right? It's 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 uh, it's a gigantic. Um, a gigantic random walk algorithm, in a sense. And there are trillions upon trillions upon trillions of random walks happening, and some of them will discover similar mechanisms, some of them will discover very different mm-hmm. mechanisms for for solving the same problems. Right. Well, that's it. I mean, once we create a general intelligence or a super intelligence, then they're going to be able to iterate and... Well, we talked about that before, but the but the thing is, like a super intelligence isn't going to solve the problem our way, right? They're going to do a random. Maybe uh, they're going to they'll probably be able to do a very fast iterative random walk sequence and find other ways to solve right. problems because it's going to be more random. You know, it's going to be more evolution. You know, like revolutionary, like super fast evolution type thing, well, right? Because I mean, just because no. just because the generational and the experimentation time of doing these. I mean, things. the problem with the random walk either because it's very slow and it's very prone to error. Yeah. Uh, the we define so, we okay, so maybe it's not random walk because algorithms. you would think that super intelligence. You know, it's not okay. So it's not evolution, but it's they have the computational power to do tons of different variations and actually judge whether it was a successful strategy or not and then build upon that right because you know there's actually an intelligence watching the Mm -hmm. result and the computational power of something like an asi would you know be able to definitely you know completely outpace what we can comprehend sure um so another thing that was echoed in both this story that I want you to read and then in Science Friday is about how important this is for the future of humanity type thing. Like they were comparing it to like in the blog, it's like, this is like the most important thing that everyone maybe not, shouldn't have an answer to, but should at least be aware of is like this important, um, uh, you know, thing that, you know, it's going to happen to the future of humanity. And then in Science Friday, they're like, you know, this is on par with, if a alien civilization said, we found you and we're going to be there in 50 years, you know, or if NASA found a meteorite that's going to hit the earth in 50 years, you know, this, except that we have a definite timeline versus we don't have a definite timeline. We don't, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, it's, <laughs> so, so it's like, um, you know, string theory is kept saying we're, we're going to have finding answer in twenty years, and they're still saying we're going to sure. find answer in twenty years. Okay, so in the blog article, it's it's a lot more information than what I'm just going to apply to you. Right. But you know, distilling it down, if you if you take the most credible things from a lot of the AI experts, uh, we're forty years out from ASI. And you need to read the story. That we're, we're we're supposed to be fifty years out from flying cars. I mean, there's lots of things that we can we can assume about how society will develop, but we have mm-hmm. no real idea because we don't know. We can predict to to very <laughs> our our ability to predict is based on our our understanding of the variables. And understanding the variables is not very clear in this situation. I I question the veracity of that sort of statement. Okay. 
It's not like Fusion, where we are kind of nailing the problems down step by step. And we actually know how it works. We're just dealing with the... the and, and that's not to say that, that, that I think that necessarily we'll be able to, to solve fusion completely, but we have a basic idea of how this shit works. We have actually a very good idea of how it works. We just don't know how to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way nature is dealt with the consequences are ways that we don't have the ability to mimic, so we have to find other ways. And that's really the problem, is that we understand the consequences, like I said, these, I said before, the, these, these flares and stuff that happen when you produce these, these large, this amount, large amount of energy. We just don't know how to, and we're trying to find ways to, uh, to deal with those that are different than what nature came up with, like gravity. We we don't really understand intelligence to that level. We don't. We don't have a quantum theory of intelligence. Sure, sure. We don't have the mathematical understanding of how intelligence works. To so, say so, so what, the way they came up to with the timeline, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Just give you a little more information that you don't have. So the way they came up with the timeline is they talk about computational power and the equivalent number of neurons that we can represent, you know, um, slug, monkey, whatever. And, and the ramp up in, you know, historically of what we've done. And that's where, that's kind of one of the metrics to get to the 40 years and the number of neurons in a human brain type thing. Mm-hmm. So, sure. But we're designing neural networks based on how we assume neuron works, mm-hmm. not how neurons actually work necessarily. And I'm not sure that simply being able to reproduce that many connections definitely asserts that we can produce that. I just wanted to provide a little bit of information you didn't have. So this story that I'm talking about, I'm going to just kind of describe it out here. It's waitbutwhy.com. Tim Urban. If you search for artificial superintelligence in Google, it's probably like the second or third one that comes up. But waitbutwhy.com. And you'll be able to find the stories. There's part one and part two. The Revolution, Immortality, or Extinction. This is part two of a... Yeah, I mean, you want to start with part one. Right, okay. And then go to part two. Okay. And uh, this was from John Rubio of The Beerists, and... I thank him. I think it's very interesting. I can't wait till Greg reads it. We can talk about yeah, it. In I detail. want to make this clear, though. Uh, why couldn't it this for the second one, the second title, the AI revolution, our immortality or extinction? And I think we talked about this before, but why couldn't it be both? Well, I think it can't be both because the way that they're slicing it is if you upload yourself into no, no, I'm not the, saying I'm not saying that. Uploading ourselves. I was saying that it's our immortality in the sense that it's our creation. It's our... Uh-huh. Okay. It, it came from us. It, it so seemed... It, it, okay, so, so the way that the article portrays itself and the way that it seems logical to me is if we get to the point where this kind of things happens, yeah. it would be probably beneficial to upload everyone's brains into the matrix. <laughs> um, just because it's more data. It's more data to... to to base the, the decisions of right, the system yeah, on. Right, no, true. So true. It, it almost makes sense to upload everyone before they die into the system just to provide right. 
more it's 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 fresh dna right well it, it, it's, it's fresh information but it, it's equivalent to it's equivalent to adding dna to the pool i sort mean sort of sort of the thing is though that we don't necessarily know that our lives inside of a computer would be in any way the same as our lives inside in, in, in reality <laughs> that reminds me of the simulation argument we go back to this i think sometimes there's the people who say oh we're there's a 70% chance of us living in a simulation or whatever. People have done those kind of calculations. And I always, I chafe at that, right? Because there, there are two problems. The first problem is a metaphysical one. If we are living in a simulation, there's nothing we can do about it. So there's no sense in worrying about it. And if we aren't living in a civilization, in, in, in simulation, then there's no sense in worrying about it. So that that's problem number one. Problem number two is okay. Yeah, I mean, being able to drink, to take the the was red pill, whichever yeah, one breaks yeah. you, you know, yeah. don't worry about it. Just just be fat, dumb, and happy. Well, no, I mean, if you can't differentiate between the real world and that's simulation, true. there's no then there's no. Well, I mean, that's that's yeah. that's that's I was being flip, yeah. but my more true thing is reality is what we can observe, right? And Things beyond our our horizon of, of being able to observe it are inconsequential. Absolutely, completely agree with you. But the other the other thing about the simulation argument is that it does it never takes a second step to me. So there are people who say, well, there's you know, if we get to a certain point, then it makes sense that we would be making civil we making the, the argument goes like this. If we get to a certain point, it makes sense that we would start making simulations of the universe. Therefore, it makes sense that we mm. would probably be in a simulation of the universe. There's going to be more simulations than the real one. Right. But, okay, let's say that's true. Let's say that's true and we are in a simulation. Why wouldn't we be in... Why wouldn't that same thing be true for them, for whoever's simulating us? Mm-hmm. That they're in a simulation. Oh, sure. And so a simulation is turtles all the way, way down. Who cares? Right, it's it's right. it's a pointless it's a pointless debate. It's a pointless argument because there's no there's no semblance of of a of a floor or a ceiling. So who cares? Mm-hmm. No, I, I I hear you completely. Like, and that's why I take comfort in what I can observe. Right, that's what matters. Things beyond that. I just hope I'm in one of the good simulations. <laughs> right? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, there's a simulation where guys have bigger dicks and a simulation where guys have smaller dicks. Hopefully we're in the bigger dick simulation. Imagine the ones are like this big, you know? Maybe the smaller dick simulation has better feeling. Maybe. Maybe. You know, and you get more pleasure out of it. Just something that's big doesn't mean it's good. You're falling under the... Uh... <laughs> The, the the spell of, of again mostly being flip yeah but. no no, no yeah, but it's like it, but that that concept and, I, and again I, I don't mean to yeah you're being, I, I'm you're, pretty you're, sure you're we're in flip. this yeah we, we are totally agreeing with each other but it, it it reminds me of the flipness which people say survival of the fittest right mm. like survival of the fittest is a broad way of speaking about how evolution works in the same way that things fall down is a broad way of speaking of how gravity works. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean that. Okay, so survival of the fittest is the way evolution works. If things fall down as the way gravity works. That means that we should just lie on the floor because gravity is telling us to lie on the floor. No, <laughs> right? No, we we right. we don't infer our our 
behavior from simply the way that we describe how things happen. Right. At least we're in a simulation where beer tastes good. Yeah, absolutely. Some of them. <laughs> Some of them. Most of them. A good deal of them, yeah. Could be in the other simulation where every beer tastes like ass. <laughs> we were in that in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> Change the variable. Yeah, exactly. The simulation has changed. And hey, if we're living in a simulation, then fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, wouldn't, is, wouldn't is, that is be there, wouldn't that be crazy if they changed a fundamental rule of physics on us? Like that that would be evidence, right? There would be some. Oh, something's changed. Uh, if we're living in a simulation, I don't really have a problem with it. Because, like, because, like we said, there's no indication that that we are, and there's no indication that there's an outside world, so there's nothing to strive for, or like, there's no, there's no like, oh, I'm stuck in an ant farm. I mean, we already we already know we're living in in a kind of slavery, like I said in the first round, right? We're we're living <laughs> in this economic slavery controlled by these high up elites. So, in a sense, we are already living in a, in a type of simulation. It's just a, a different, a, of a different mm-hmm. nature than the than in encompassing all reality simulations, mm-hmm. opposed to just a social structural, right simulation. Yeah, no, I agree with you uh, quite a bit on this, and uh, seize the day. Seize the day. Do it. They they can't prevent you from having your own opinions. They can try. But they can't. Um, you know that, that that works for me. Hey, a new version of Java is available. Woohoo! Java eight update forty five. Good. Have you been watching Silicon Valley at all? Yes. Good. Uh, good start to the season so far. Yeah, it's not. Ha- it's not happy times for no. Pied Piper. Well, you wouldn't. Yeah. If yeah. it were happy times, then it wouldn't be fun. Yeah. I, I like so betas the the other Silicon Valley uh-huh. got canceled right they didn't get picked up for another season uh, which is fine you know I, I was talking before like how I liked kind of the differences between the two shows but you know I don't I don't miss it really I think you know I, I haven't seen betas but Silicon Valley is sharp it's sharp yeah. as hell I mean so the only thing I liked about betas is the main character in betas was more of the he was the CEO, but he was not the developing mar- developer. He was more the marketer guy, mm-hmm. right? And then the CTO. And and in Silicon Valley, the main character, a little too introvert. You know, I, I don't love... I mean, I get it. I get why he's that way. I just wish he was less so. Well, he's, he's more of a Zuckerberg, right? That's kind yeah. of the... I, I wish he was a little, you know, a little more socially nimble you know a little more well, that's what you have tj miller there for yeah well absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's just he's he just a, he's he's you know so asperger's that like oh come on just get a little more with it but which is it's funny because that's totally not thomas mildish mm-hmm. i mean if yeah. you've ever seen him he's a he's very him and and another guy who's who's very different is zach woods uh, mm-hmm. Very much. Which, which much, one's that? He's the guy who he was in the office. Oh, okay. Is that, yeah, I didn't yeah. know his real yeah. name. Okay. They're very, very active. Both of them are fantastic improvisers. Have you ever seen right. them? Right. And uh, he plays. Zach Woods plays a very similar character yeah. to that he did in the office. It, it, it feels like 
it feels like it's the same character. It, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a similar he's, he's a little more competent in Silicon yeah. Valley, but it still carries a lot of the same mannerisms. T.J. Miller's hilarious yeah. in that, especially when they're going, they're not getting all their funding. <laughs> Kamal Nanjani is essentially himself, mm-hmm. which is fine, because Kamal Nanjani's hilarious. Martin Starr is essentially himself with more tech knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, it was kind of like, yeah. you know, Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks, kind of yeah. grown up, so... And, and sort of like Martin Starr from Party Down. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, it's a, yeah. you know, the same acerbic kind of character, but just mm-hmm. dialed up even, oh, yeah. even larger. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's yeah. a, it's pretty good this season, and uh, curious to see where it goes. Uh, Kumio with that whole Kickstarter thing on the last episode. Yeah, yeah that was great. <laughs> His cousin talked him back around into... <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. The, the bro... <laughs> The bro, the app. bro app. I've lost my uh, my sound. All of it? Yeah, all of it. That's not good. There we go. It's back. It just needs to be. It, it's a clearly a headphone issue, not a not anything else. So, um, let's see. All of our math is based on how we make triangles. This thing I sort of came up with uh, when I was high. So, <laughs> okay. I, I thought about it. I thought really that like, it's kind of true. All of our math is is ultimately based on this conceptualization of geometry that we came up with in you know ancient Greek, and we've built on this conceptualization of angles and how they work to define really everything we've come up with. I mean, um. Do you understand hyperbolic plane? Uh, Let me try to explain it. Okay. So let's say you have a Cartesian plane. Mm-hmm. So the XY coordinate standard. Uh, and you have a, a circle drawn in that with the center being the zero point. Right? Now, how do you define how that circle is created well this is where this is where another sort of degree of freedom comes in this is where we get the um the complex plane so we actually have all right so a flat surface where a circle is drawn let's say Mm -hmm. the center and then we have we imagine okay another degree of freedom on top of that and then we see how that moves in that third degree of freedom. And it goes back and forth like a sine wave. Okay. So that's where the complex plane comes from. And that's where we get how we do all of our angles and stuff and, and trigonomics and sine waves and stuff. is, is you, You're drawing a circle. It's going like that. Right? But it's actually okay. in this other dimension. It's just going up and down, essentially. Because it's just drawing how this... It's not taking this dimension into account or this dimension. It's this other dimension, but it's moving okay. about how this would work. So I've tried to... I'm sort of... 
I, I apologize for people who are listening because I'm just I'm. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. Even if they could see what you're doing, they're like, yeah. "What the fuck are you doing?" All right. I'm so, still trying to try, still waiting for you to get to the point where it clicks. So the hyperbolic plane is a little bit different. Um, oh, different from the thing I already don't understand. Yeah. So let's imagine um, that we take the postulates of, of Euclid, where you have parallel lines do not intersect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, a, a line is between two points. Parallel lines do not intersect. Um, and then we say, all right, let's take these lines and extend another dimension on top. Now, we could say that one dimension, that, that one line goes in this dimension, let's say, up above. Mm-hmm. And there's another line that actually is over here, and it kind of goes like a circle like that in this other dimension that is a line that does not intersect this line right and there's a circle here to the right of it and a line sure that is a so line so you're drawing you're drawing well, I mean so you're draw, actually drawing a parabolic curve but you meant to draw a hyperbolic curve right well no it, it, it's a hyperbolic yeah. curve from the perspective of the Cartesian plane it's a parabolic curve from the perspective of just if you're looking down but from the perspective of the Cartesian plane it travels is still a it's it's a line that is parallel in the sense it does not intersect but it also does not mirror the line it goes off into mm-hmm. hyperbolic infinity sure. that's where the hyperbolic plane comes from so that's a hyperbolic transformation is sort of parallel lines go in not necessarily straight directions well sure but okay My, so you, parallel lines do not intersect. It's not a hyperbolic line. It's a hyperbolic curve. It's a hyperbolic curve if you're looking at it from the perspective of the hyperbolic plane. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of simply a two-dimensional Cartesian plane, it looks like a little parallel line. You can't tell so much that it... I would have expected you to say the opposite. I would have expected you to say, from the Cartesian plane, it looks like a hyperbolic curve, but on the hyperbolic plane, because you're in that dimension, it looks flat, looks straight. I suppose the same. I suppose both are true. Okay. That was the first sort of extension of Cartesian geometry was was hyperbolic geometry. Then we got into more complex stuff. And understanding where the complexity comes from is where we get sine and cosine and tangent and how those functions move. So we're starting to understand everything in terms of still triangles that are make circles are basically modified triangles. It's a modified square (laughs) that you can't ever actually square. You try because you keep trying to to define it closer and closer and closer, but you can't actually get to it. This is okay. where this is where pi comes from. Pi well, is. I understand that. I understand that there's always another step closer in. Yeah. To try to accurately describe a circle, I can't connect that to how you're you know quickly saying, "Oh, circles are triangles." 
No, cir- circles are defined by triangles. We define tri we define sure. circles in terms okay. of triangles. And because we do that, all well, of our right, math- right, because you're 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 saying that the point on the circle is the hypotenuse of x plus y mm-hmm. or x and y. Right. And then x and y change for every measured point on a circle. So the radius is the hypotenuse. So, okay. Fine. So my point is that then circles become spheres and spheres become conic sections and stuff like that. We start, we still start, we still keep defining everything in terms of these angles and in terms of these triangles, even to the point where, like I said, even quantum mechanics and relativity, we're still defining things in terms of angles, in terms of uh, derivatives uh, under curves. We're, we're still using the same triangle math. We're still using triangles. Isn't that because like an elemental component of geometry? Well, well, that's the point. We developed all of our math from triangles. So we're still using triangles. It's conceivable to come up with a type of math that doesn't use triangles. Sure. I, I guess it's conceivable. Um, you know, the math we've developed works pretty well. It does. It it, it works extraordinarily well. It, it's unreasonably effective in some senses. A but triangle is you know, a very special structure. I mean, it's not, you know, it's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's easy to describe. It's strong. You know, it has a ton of properties in all kinds of different uses. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, the easy to describe part is why it's part of geometry. You know, absolutely. Like, you know, your whole... You know, your whole other thing you're doing with the sign well, stuff, you know, we should have talked about the circle and how you measure a point on a circle, yeah, I, you know, would have been right. a lot better to that, get to that. Well, that's why I, I put 20 minutes ago. Well, that's why I put things through you. I mean, right. it, you know, I, 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 I don't know. My arguments mm-hmm. are, are exactly right. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out right. how to describe them. So I'm asking. So I want to make sure everyone who's listening, is listening to, I want to make to sure everyone who's listening and understands. I think this, this circle triangle thing, it's worthwhile yeah. visualizing, right? So imagine a circle drawn on an XY grid, right? Where zero, zero is the center of the circle. And pick an arbitrary point on the circle. The way you would measure that is on the grid, you would go X units and then Y units to get to where the point is. Mm-hmm. And then you could use X and Y in a um, Pythagorean theorem to figure out what the radius is, the hypotenuse of the triangle. And you can do that at every measured point around the circle. The reason I say every measured point is because you can't measure every single point of the circle. Because right. if you zoom in, there's always more points. Yes. You know, that's why pi is pi. But you can, you know, if you want to measure a circle in eight spots, it looks more like an octagon. Mm-hmm. Than a circle, right? You want to measure it in ten spots. It's a, it looks more like a dodecagon, or a, a, yeah, yeah. And the math fundamentally comes down to what we figured out with triangles, mm-hmm. because the triangles are, are the simplest way to figure it. Because three angles gives us some computability. With if you just have lines, you don't have a computability there. Mm-hmm. The, the the you know the, the first kind of real computability we found. Is, is the Pythagorean theorem, is, is understanding how those angles all work and how we can then figure out something without variables. It's basically the kind of first algebra 
was understanding the Pythagorean theorem. Right. And people might be thinking, why would I go X then Y and then use Pythagorean's theorem to measure the radius when I could just say put the ruler straight on the radius, right? And I think the argument there is because you get better relationship between that point and the next point. Right. It's because you you now have a equivalence you can always use as opposed Mm -hmm. to... Uh, a dynamic that is sometimes possible. Now, when you, you when you have a theorem, when you have a mathematical theorem, you now have something that is uh, applicable everywhere, as opposed to uh, possibly only applicable in certain situations. Right. Because if you are measuring radiuses with the ruler, and you tilt the ruler so far, that's kind of arbitrary. How do you measure that angle yeah. exactly? You can't measure that angle exactly. And what if so your ruler what, isn't exactly flat on the surface? What if right. your ruler is pushed up on the surface? Right. But if you go X, then Y, and then the next measurement is a different X plus a different Y, you can use math to figure out the angle of of the, the change between those two measurements. And it's it's more accurate than trying to just skew the ruler on your radius measurements so i guess the question is are triangles that fundamental or is it something that we have we've had this talk before about you know these things that seem very core tenants in nature are are they the end-all be-all or do we need that artificial super intelligence to find the better the better angle than the triangle Maybe there's a bi-angle we need to figure yeah, out. Yeah, maybe there is, and we just never we never figured it out. We haven't... Maybe there is a way you can just use lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a way you can just use points and still understand how the math works. But we have not been able to understand it. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a way you can define things without using that kind of geometry. But we don't know. Right. Yeah, maybe there's something more elegant than Cartesian geometry. Mm-hmm. Let's not even talk about hyperbolic planes yeah, and complex yeah. planes. Let's just talk about this circle you're some right. more. Okay, you, you, you help me by telling me, okay, I don't need to bother with this stuff. I don't need to bother with mm-hmm. complex and Cartesian stuff. I can kind of go right to the point, and it'll still get me across. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sure. We're sitting here nodding at each other. Mm. I got to pee. All right. Well, we are at... 42 minutes. I think we can wrap. I think so. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.